Welcome to Box to Box Football. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of Box to Box Football. Thank you for joining us. Three-man crew tonight, Kyle. We've got JJ, who's celebrating an NWSL championship for Gotham FC. And Stu Kovacs is with us as well. Uh, we're recapping match day 12 in the in the Premier League. And uh, boy, did it conclude with a, a heck of a game between Manchester City and Chelsea. That's where we've got to start at Stamford Bridge. A 4-4 draw. Now, City is still top of the table, 28 points. They've got a one-point lead over Liverpool and Arsenal. Spurs is... Uh, on 26 points, two back, and then Aston Villa on 25 points is three back. So you've got five teams all within three points of each other. Uh, but, you know, when, when JJ and I were on on the previous pod, we said, is Chelsea back? And I don't know if I'm still ready to say Chelsea's back, but I'll tell you what, there's one thing I saw from Chelsea in this game that we haven't seen from it in like a year and a half, and that was hard, right? Chelsea went behind three times in this game. And was able to equalize three times, and then eventually, um, you know, Cole Palmer, the former Manchester City youth player who just moved to Chelsea in the summer, scores the penalty uh, in the fifth minute of uh, second half stoppage time to to earn uh, the Blues a point. A point I think they they thoroughly deserved uh, for the way they played. It was a terrific game, a fantastic game from a neutral perspective. Um, I, I just want to get your thoughts on it, uh, JJ. We'll we'll start with you. Um, four four. Is Chelsea back? Oh, you know, what's what's going on there? They're not back, but there's no way they drag a point from this without gaining confidence from that result previously against Tottenham. Because, you know, when you're, I'll take the Keanu Reeves movie quote from um, the replacements. When you're in quicksand, you just keep digging and you keep going deeper. And that's what Chelsea were and basically have been this entire season up until last week. And now it's, what, eight goals in the last two matches. So clearly they've gotten their scoring boots on and they're getting them mostly from the midfielders, which is a little still crazy to think. But Jackson is at least a tap-in merchant, so he's getting himself a couple of goals. You mentioned Cole Palmer. Let's not forget Raheem Sterling also scored against his looked, former club. He looked um, rejuvenated a little bit. Maybe yeah, a little rejuvenated. Man City, but he looked a little rejuvenated. No, most definitely. And I also think what's even crazier, too, is that Sanchez actually didn't even have a bad game, despite conceding the four goals. Um, With that even said, Ederson, I thought, also played very well. So you know what, Kyle, you hit it right. This is one of those that if you're a fan of either club, you hated or loved and probably went about 17 different emotions in those 90 minutes. If you're a neutral, this was probably the match of the season. Yeah, and Stu, I want to get the Manchester City perspective from you. Two, three points tossed away here by by City to only end up for the one to to have the lead three times, and, and very unlike them to to not be able to hold it. Yeah, so unlike them, it's it was really surprising to me to see the way that they played, the way they conceded goals. I mean, this is a, a squad that they keep clean sheets, they keep uh, you know one goal games. Like to give up four goals, that's absurd. And in the like you said, Kyle, to blow three leads is a further testament of what Chelsea was able to do in this match. They're a little banged up, of course. Uh, De Bruyne is still out. Uh, now it looks like Ederson has a little bit of an injury. Uh, Kovacic is an injury. So they have a couple injuries, but I wouldn't use that as an excuse. I, I know John Stones and Ake, I think those two guys could have had an impact if they would have been healthy enough to play. Vardy all, obviously that one goal that he that they gave up, he looked kind of bad on. City's still incredible. They're going to drop points every now and then. That's, that's not too surprising, but... And for Chelsea, it's just 
I, I'm like you guys. I'm just really impressed way they played, especially these last two matches against two of the best three, four, five teams, whatever you want to call it in the league. And like you guys said, confidence and Cole Palmer and Sterling, two former Man City players, they were probably the two best players on the pitch. And Cole Palmer, for all the guys that they bought and spent a lot of money on, he at least looks like the guy that is the guy that's an absolute keeper. And he's going to be great for them and great for the English national team in years to come as well. Yeah, when, when Rodri scored that goal in the 86th minute, it, it felt like, up. Oh, this is City doing it again, right? This is what City does. Uh, they, they find a way to win. They they score they score that late goal and get and get the points, and that's why they win the title, like, more often than they not, right? That's why they've won it however many years in a row. Um, you know, and, and again, credit to Chelsea for coming back, um, you know, sticking with it. They're able to, to win that that penalty and then Cole Palmer to, to have the nerve against his former team to step up there and, and, and put it in. Uh, but JJ, we, we said, you know, city's had a couple slip ups here in the last five or six weeks. They dropped the back-to-back games. They, they blew a lead today. Still the title favorite for you though. They're, they've got a one point lead here after 12 match weeks. Oh, most definitely. As much as it kills me to say it, and as much as you have to look at what they're going to be going into coming out of the international break where uh, you're home to Liverpool, you have a home match against RB Leipzig in the Champions League, home to Spurs, away to Villa. That's not exactly the easiest stretch of for any team, let alone the title holders. But I don't think they lose out. I think at some point you're going to see the chinks in the armor. We're already starting to see with Tottenham a little bit. Yes, injuries. Yes, kind of bold play if you want with that high line. Arsenal, could they? Maybe. But we saw how they wilted down the stretch last season. I think they are deeper than they are or deeper than they were one season ago. But I don't think anyone's taking it, this off City. And that's the beauty of it for City is because they just have so many weapons that they can go to. Yes, Stu, you're right, injuries, but that's going to hurt any team. They still have so many guys that, frankly, we probably don't even know about that's going to be unearthed at some point. And then if all else fails, January comes around and the City Football Group's going to splash a cool $180 million on two players and they'll win the title. Yeah, and you know, look at one of the teams that is going to be chasing City right now is is Liverpool, three uh, nil over Brentford. You know what that sets up, Stu? Yes, we have the international break coming up for two weeks, but when we come out of the break, we've got Liverpool City at the Etihad. Uh, but Liverpool had to take care of business first against Brentford. Mohamed Salah scores twice, and Diego Yota are also on target. 3-0, pretty comprehensive victory for the Reds. Stu, how do you feel about this team going into the international break, knowing what, what lies when you we come out of it? Yeah, I'm very confident. I, I like the way they've played. I like the way they've looked, minus the... I mean, the last two matches before this one were a little tough. Luton Town, I mean, the, I was stunned that they dropped points to Luton Town. Toulouse and Europa League, they really didn't. I feel like they didn't really take it too seriously. They kind of had, I think they had nine different starters in that match. And then they tried to bring the starters on. It just never clicked. Um, but this match on Sunday against Brentford was one of the better matches that they've played this year. They could have conceded a couple of goals. That always seems to be the case. Allison saved them on one or two. Van Dyke looked like the Van Dyke of old. It's honestly probably the best he's looked for me in a singular game since his knee surgery. Uh, he looked absolutely incredible. They didn't have McAllister. He was on yellow card suspension. They played Endo in that defensive midfield role. He was a little better. Uh, Simi Kiss was a little better than he was 
on Thursday. He was a, he was dreadful against um, Toulouse. He wasn't that good against Lou in town uh, when he came on. But yeah, the, I, I like the way they're playing. Salah's putting goals in the net. I'd like to see a little more out of Nunez. Whether it's either making you know, shots that are absolute sitters, or in his case, you know, staying on sides. At least he's putting the ball in the net uh, against Brentford. But yeah, I mean, I like the way. I think they have a chance to take points at the Etihad. Um, City's the better team. I'm not gonna argue that. But whenever they play City, they always seem to get up for it. More so in Anfield, but especially at the Etihad too. They 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 could take points. I think there's a good chance that you know two Saturdays from now we're talking about a City Liverpool draw, but. But we'll see what happens with that. JJ, you you believing in Liverpool? Um, do I get to take my United hat off, or should I keep it on? <laughs> you, no, uh, either um, or, either or, up to you. I mean, believe in Liverpool to take the title. Believe them to challenge for the uh, title. Believe them to challenge for the title. I think it, they'll be, be in it. Yeah, to to be in it at at the end of the year. Three weeks ago, Liverpool still got a shot to win the title. I think a, a definite shot to finish in Champions League position that I feel that pretty confidently that they'll be there. Um, I don't know. I think it's still kind of a tough road right now. It, it is nice for the fact that we don't have much separation right now from the top five mm-hmm. because between City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and Villa, it's just three points at the moment. Um, how long that holds, I'm not going to be certain. But then again, you never know. I mean, let's, you know what, just for for fun, let's uh, scroll to the last five in the run-in that they have. I know it's a long way away in late April, early May, but away to Fulham, away to West Ham, home to Liverpool, away to Villa, home to Wolves. I mean, if you're in it, then you're going to be playing the teams that are all right around you. So if you're in it to win it, you might as well go win the thing at that point. You know, that's what I like about having five teams separated by three points right now is that we can come on here and we can talk about is Liverpool a title contender? Uh, is is, Spur, is Spurs a title contender? Is Arsenal a contender? Is Aston Villa still in the picture? Uh, and then we have to remind ourselves that it's only 31.5% of the season uh, that has been completed because we've got to play 38 games and we're only through match week 12. But we like to project these things out because that's what we do on a, on a podcast. Um, and, and speaking of another of those teams that, um, had got off to a great start, but JJ called this one last week on the pod. Wolves two, Spurs one, the Spurs was coming off that loss to Chelsea, went down to nine players, had some suspensions, had some injuries, took an early lead through Brennan Johnson, and then a disaster in second half stoppage time. Uh, Sarabia equalizes for Wolves. And then in the seventh minute of added time, Mario Lamina, scores the winner and Wolves stun Spurs. Um just a just a brutal loss for Tottenham. Uh the, the kind of game that you look back on at the end of the season and if you don't finish where you want to be, this is one that hurts. Yeah, well first off I'm not gonna take complete credit for it. I did <laughs> say that Wolves would likely get a result out of this. Did I see two stoppage time goals to go ahead? No, not really. First off, that Sarabia finish, by the way. Oh, my days. Take that down with the right, then have Bali on the left. There's no goalie in the world that's stopping that one. That, I mean, there's going to be a goal of the season at some point that's going to be a a screamer from 40-some-odd yards out or something that completes like a 38-pass sequence. That might be one of the, 
I guess like your niche goals of the season, but still class uh, nonetheless. As for Spurs, um, yeah, I, I kind of alluded to it last week that Dyer could be a liability in this match, and he was because, in fact, both of the goals came on his side of the field. Um, difficult maybe for the first one as he was pulled a little bit out of position, but uh, he just didn't track Lamina, and that was pretty much game over at that point. Tottenham, I mean, they started the match brightly. They got the goal inside of a couple of minutes, and then they kind of held you know, possession. They created a few chances, but as the match wore on, Wolves started a game confidence. Sar made a couple of decent saves to keep Wolves in it. And then just all of a sudden you felt like, oh, was there going to be that moment? Would there be that moment? And if there was that moment, would the damn break? And the answers were both yes and yes. Yeah, Spurs uh, Spurs down the fourth on 26 points. Wolves up the 12th on 15 points. There's a log jam right there in the middle. Um, and it's Stu, one of the things JJ and I talked about last week is, is if Wolves got a win here, all of a sudden – putting some real distance between themselves and the bottom. And and the way Wolves started the season, we were talking about them as a potential relegation candidate. Stu, Wolves looking more and more like they're going to be safe after the win over Spurs. Definitely, absolutely. Uh, they're kind of in that same boat as Everton uh, with Dyche. Uh, what Gary O'Neill's done, what Dyche has done, at least recently, I think both those teams are pretty good shape. I'm not going to say definitely for either one, especially Everton, but it does feel like though both of those teams should be safe. Uh, just really impressive. Uh, the way they played they play really well at Molyneux uh, especially against big six clubs and in the calendar year they beat Liverpool 3-0 they beat Tottenham 1-0 they beat Chelsea 1-0 lost to Liverpool 3-1 and then came back recently with 2-1 wins against City and Tottenham like they don't really have a lot of fear when some of these big six clubs come uh, to play them and I know I know Sean who was an honest episode he um he alluded to it in the past like they are they're a team that always gives United trouble as well uh, just one of those tough teams to play. So just really impressed with them. They're, they're fine. I mean, Mario Lamina is a, a good player. They, Wangy Chan's also very good. He creates so much stuff. They miss Neto, but at the same time, it it seemed like, you know, the last 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes on Saturday, they didn't really miss him as much as I thought. Uh, that was one of the things I thought about looking into this game was how much they would miss him uh, down the wing, uh, kind of creating some stuff, but but they didn't really miss him. And as for Spurs, like you guys kind of talked about, I mean, they, they're just so banked up coming into this game between Romero being out with the red card, Van de Ven, who has just really impressed me so much in his first year in the Premier League uh, uh, coming in this summer. Uh, you don't have a dogie. Uh, Madison, who might be the best signing for the summer and really kind of links up everything for them in that, you know, in that 10 role, not having all those guys, you're kind of relying on more guys that were like the Josie guys, like guys that were playing big minutes when uh, Moreno was in charge. And that's, you know, kind of a backward step for them. But the, the depth is definitely being tested now. We'll see if they can get healthier once we get back from international break. That's going to be key because I think of all the teams that are in contention, you know, the Liverpools, the Arsenals, obviously City, I think of those four, you include them in that four, I think they by far have the least depth. My, my just final point on this this game is, I, I think it was a little, maybe a little bit of a reality check for Spurs the last two weeks, right? Lose, losing to Chelsea where they went down to nine and then it, losing to, to Wolves late, giving up two goals. Cause, because Spurs was a team that we weren't expecting to be in the top four. At this point, we we weren't really sure what they were going to look at. They brought in Pastacoglu, and yeah, he had this uh, great record of winning, as, as JJ uh, so eloquently pointed out on on our preview pod. Um, you know, when he was in Australia, when he managed in Japan, when he managed Celtic. 
but you're coming to Spurs. The expectation, I think, was was not necessarily top four, and then they come out on fire. They're playing this this style of football um, that's that's appealing. It's attractive. They're scoring goals. Ange Ball is is all the rave, and now they've hit a little bit of a wall, right? They've got a little bit of adversity. Uh, right now, they've lost two in a row going into the international break. They got guys banged up. They got guys out suspended. So maybe this break comes at the right time for them where they can start to get some bodies healthy. Um, we'll see what they look like when they come back because they've got a big game against Aston Villa uh, coming out of the, the international break. So let's let's run down the other games from this week, and then uh, you guys uh, each can jump in and take, take something that, that stood out from you. I'll take care of the Fulham game. Unfortunately, another loss for my guys. Um, but Man United won, Luton Town nil. Arsenal 3, Burnley 1, Everton 3, Crystal Palace 2, Everton's getting it going a little bit, Bournemouth 2, Newcastle 0, uh, Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1, Brighton 1, Sheffield United 1, West Ham 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Uh, JJ, we'll start with you. What stood out amongst that group of games? I mean, I've got actually a lot to talk about from a number of these games, so um, I'll start with one of the matches that I alluded to last week saying, winner guaranteed to stay up and that's Everton first off they're gray jerseys by the way that might be the piece of the puzzle because the last two times that they've worn those jerseys which is for those that are not familiar yet they are the kind of the Hummel Denmark current home template but just dark gray on light gray it's worked for them and I mean they came out of the gates absolutely firing Mikolenko at the lovely goal Decore in the 49th minute um Gay inside the final five minutes to wrap it up. And they're a team that look like they've got a bit of confidence all of a sudden. Maybe Dice Ball is working. We're not giving it enough credit, but you actually take a look at their last nine matches six wins, one draw, two losses. That includes their two wins in the EFL Cup. So, as I spoke about before, for various teams, Cup competitions actually give you a nice little bounce into your league if you're struggling a little bit kind of takes your mind off things you just get to focus on a knockout match and they've used that bounce and they've actually put together some decent results in the last few weeks and not only are they taking points off of teams around them but they're kind of punching up a little bit um it started really with that win against brentford on the road back in late september yeah they dropped to luton and i know it's kind of a could be a misstep in we get once we get to March and April, but win against Bournemouth, beat West Ham on the road, got a point against Brighton, then take three points against Palace. And we all know how difficult it is to get points at a Selhurst Park. So I think right now for Dice Ball, you're in a good spot. You have two matches coming up after the international window. Yes, I'm including Manchester United in that because I'll just summarize that performance in one word after I complete this thought. You have United and then Forest. Those matches you should be able to take points off of if you're Everton right now. And to summarize the United performance against Luton Town, boring. <laughs> Not, I'll say this about that Everton real quickly uh, before we get to, to Stu's point. Nothing like a late goal winner, too. Like a late winner. Nothing gets you on cloud nine more than when you grab that that late winning goal and it, 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 it really amplifies that that three points and it sets you off um you know into to with great momentum going into the week um Stu, what what did you make out of uh this week's games kind of two points three matches uh 
the second point is kind of between two matches, but I'll, I'll start with the Newcastle Bournemouth match. Newcastle's in a bit of trouble here. Like they have, I mean, a ton of injuries. I mean, the team that they started on Saturday, uh, Lewis Hall at left back, Char and Lascelles at center back. Um, you had the youngster Miley, Lewis Miley, starting in the midfield. Uh, Willick, Longstaff, Almarone, Gordon, and That's just, it's very pre-takeover Newcastle with a couple, obviously, really young guys in there. Almarone got hurt in this one. Richie had to come on. So they're in a bit of trouble. Like, they have a lot of injuries and some significant ones, too. I mean, they Isak got out, and... They got out, sorry, they yeah. got out shot 19-8 to eight in that game by Bournemouth. Bournemouth looked great early, and it seemed, it didn't even seem like Newcastle really put up much of a fight. They just didn't really have the players, and they, they don't really deviate from the style they play. Uh, How doesn't really kind of change the way he plays. He kind of just goes with it, whether he has his preferred starting 11 or, like in this case, really, you know, eight or nine probably backups if you look at the team uh, from the start of the season. So that's a concern from them. They're going to have to get healthy, and we'll see if they maybe buy a guy or two in the winter. Uh, but if they don't, I mean, their depth is is very put into question for sure i know jj is something on newcastle yeah no if you're actually talking about the buying bit there's something that's been uh really interesting that's come out where uh david ornstein went on nbc i believe it was sunday morning and talking about the potential for a temporary ban on clubs getting players loaned in so this is premier league clubs getting players loaned in from parent clubs and newcastle who are looking to try and get ruben neves to come back uh from al halal in the saudi pro league that might be banned now this is going to be supposedly again this is david ornstein reporting this um that's going to be brought up in the next premier league shareholders meeting on the 21st of november and if that goes to a vote, there needs to be 14 teams, basically either you know, four or, well, there has to be 14 teams that ratify this. If there's anything more than six teams voting against this, then this won't happen. But uh, it's not so much to target Newcastle in this situation. It's more just trying to keep some sort of competitive integrity. And also, I should say sidebar as well, if, say, Al-Halal wanted to sell Ruben Neves outright as in a transfer, they can obviously do that. There's uh, other you know, checks and bounces in there. But this is something that's going to be very interesting because, as Stu was alluding to, Newcastle wanting to buy players, but Newcastle have little branches mm -hmm. in a couple of different places. And all of a sudden, that might not happen. So, so basically, Newcastle would like to obtain a player on loan during the Saudi offseason. Is that what we're yep. more, more, more or less while the Saudi league is on its break or its offseason? They would like yep. to bring a former player back or a Friday player and bring him on loan in January during that offseason. Well, the. <laughs> You, you made that kind of a bolder statement, Kyle. We're talking specifically to teams okay. that have the same ownership as okay. um, other teams in other leagues. So this gotcha. is just like a, gotcha. a really niche thing. But in this case, it is a specific one to Newcastle because, as I said, with Newcastle struggling in Europe, they might be seeing potential exodus of players. Or let's say if they get dropped into the Europa League, now all of a sudden they have to really boost their squad up with numbers that could be a, a problem and something that they might not be able to sell or get players as easily as they'd like. Gotcha. Yeah. Stu? Um, yeah. And the other, the other two matches, I was very 
intrigued to see what West Ham and Brighton were going to do against lower table teams at home. Both West Ham and Brighton had been struggling of late. Both got off the hot starts. Uh, there's some definitely some parallels there. West Ham against Nottingham Forest. It looked a little hairy early, but they were able to uh, come back from a, a two to one deficit win, three to two. James Ward Prowse, two more assists. He's just absolutely incredible for West Ham. It just what the player he is, it's just so fun to watch. Uh, Pakita, another as long as they have him. A very good attacking player. I think the thing they're going to need next is some defensive help. That that back line is a little bit into question. Now, Brighton, on the other hand, Brighton played Sheffield at home, and they were not able to get three points. They only gave, got one point as they drew 1-1 against them. And for Brighton, you're really starting to see, as good as they were at the start, they do have some flaws. They have been bit a, a good amount by the injury bug. Um, and that depth is you know putting being put to the test, and... Is there's questions asked for how Deserby, I guess, kind of attacks these lower block teams? Um, they seem to struggle a little more with those. And again, they look good against Liverpool, right? They, I think that was a 2 2 draw, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It's it, they look fine against those teams that play that way, but once they're facing some of these bottom table teams that play lower blocks and that more defensive minded way of going about it, they've struggled. So, combine that with the injuries for Brighton it's just the international break has come at, at a really good time for them by the way for um <clears throat> for Nottingham Forest this has been an issue that's played them all season defending set pieces oh. I know James Ward Prowse puts an amazing dead ball but that defending and I don't care who's in goal it has been atrocious I mean Sushek should have frankly no right getting to that ball that's a sitter on top of the six yard box and he basically says oh sir would you mind please just getting out of the way so i can go ahead this ball oh yes you may i mean that's it and there was the one before on with the bowen goal same thing so it just you, you have to start questioning some things i know forest are trying to use and there have been some quotes out there that trying to use matt turner as a little bit of a scapegoat and you look at who's up in the owner chip box and you have a, a greek owner who wants to bring in vlad demos i understand trying to change things up a little bit it doesn't matter who's in goal the front five is actually really good for force it's just the back five has to do a lot better either defending from set pieces or they've just made some absolute calamitous errors and that's where Forest right now currently sitting in 15th they're starting to slide a little bit they're starting to see a few results that they probably should not let get in the way but they've gotten away and Kyle, I will now transition to you because now you I get to talk I about. To. I guess I you, have to. You have to talk um, about it. Unfortunately, Fulham are struggling. Uh, um, yeah, they're struggling big time here, and it doesn't help when you keep scoring on yourself. Um, yeah, and Anthony Robinson own goal. Um, you know, got him off on the wrong foot, uh, and then before you know it, you know you're down three nil. Uh, and the biggest problem is it's what we pointed out. Right off the top, when we when we saw the, the, the roster in the preview, it's a lack of a goal scorer. When they sold Mitrovic to to the Saudi League, uh, whatever, you'll find. Okay, he wanted to go. He was going to go. He had made up his mind. You didn't make the right choices in the players to acquire to replace him. You did not, you did not replace Mitrovic adequately, and now this is what you're stuck with. You're really struggling for goals right now. Uh, Jimenez, who actually 
finally scored a goal. Of course, it came when they were already 3-0 down, naturally. Uh, we knew right from the start he he wasn't going to be the guy who was going to be able to replace that production. And look, it was always going to be hard to, to replace what Mitrovic does because he's such a unique player um, in the way that he's able to hold the ball up. He can bring teammates in. Um, you know, his, his strength in, in the air, you can just hang crosses up for him. And when he's in his best form, he's going to go win everything. Um, but, you know, that's been the biggest issue for me. And then when you're not scoring goals, you start pressing all over the field in other places. And one aspect, not scoring goals, that leads to problems in of the other end of the field. Now you're conceding goals. And when you fall behind, you don't feel like you can get back into the game. Uh, you know, and then obviously, you know, you think about that the week before Manchester United, you can see a goal in, in the 90th minute. And it was one of those goals like you knew it was coming because Manchester United, no matter what, always finds a way to score that kind of goal against Fulham because Fulham clears the ball off its own player. So so the so the ball doesn't get out. It gets locked in. Bruno Fernandes, like those are the things that that go against you when you're not playing. And that's what's happening to Fulham. So in this January window, they need to go out and they got to get a strike. Like, I think that's that's totally obvious. Um, you know, you're sitting in 16th place. You've got 12 points. The only thing saving grace is you're still six points safe from the drop because Luton, Sheffield, and Burnley have struggled so mightily this year. Um, so so that's really the only saving grace is that if you've already beaten Luton, you've beaten Sheffield, you got to play Burnley twice still, and you still have one more game against Luton, Sheffield. If you go 6-0 and in those games, you might find yourself out of trouble anyway because the bottom three teams are so bad. But I, I'm not... I'm not trying to panic, um, you know, um, because, again, we're only 31.5% through the season. Um, but you got to start playing better. you got to start picking up points. We knew this was going to be a tough stretch for them. Um, when you look at the schedule and, and all they've got out of it right now is a draw against Brighton, um, and the results have got to be better. To quote another podcast, Kyle, are you feeling okay? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think so. Like I said, like I said. A little worked up there, but I'm trying to keep in perspective that for just 12 games of 38, the bottom of the table is really bad. Um, I would prefer not to be sucked into that where like you're having to fight for your life the last three weeks of the season. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it together. I'm not going to start panicking yet. Come back in three weeks, and if you're still on 12 points, we might be in full on red sirens. What are we going to do mode? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. They're going through it right now. Um, but, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens here. They got, but they got to start picking up some points. Yeah. The goals too. Like you said, like Burnley has nine, that's the only team with less goals, uh, Fulham Sheffield blue and all on 10 goals. So like you said, the, the goal scoring is certainly a significant issue, especially from the striker position. All right. JJ, you got anything else on those games? Uh, last point on the uh, the the list of games we we went down there. Um, enjoy the international break and yeah, full on steam to City Liverpool to open up play again because, I mean, the script writers got one right that that's going to be a classic to get us back underway. Which remember, we're not going to have an international break due until what March. Yeah, it's going to be a while. The only thing that concerns me a bit is the fact that this is the twelve thirty game, and there both teams have. Several South American players, several guys playing, especially in that Brazil-Argentina game. I believe that's on Tuesday night, which is Wednesday morning, uh, English time, whatever you want to call it. So 
that could be a factor, especially with Ederson out. It looks like so Allison will probably be in goal. It'll be kind of a race to get, you know, him, McAllister, um, Alvarez, obviously several key players on his team. So it's a little bit of a unfortunate situation that that has to be the early game. You would think it would be better if that was the Saturday night game or the Sunday night game, but alas, it is not. So we'll see what happens. And and I, I know JJ to, to close the show, we have some FA Cup replays um, that you wanted to to hit on the first round replays. We saw we, you and I went over the second round draw uh, in the last show, but there are a few first round replays, so a few teams that still need to qualify for that second round. And just in closing, I know you wanted to to talk about those. Yeah, um, so this show comes out on Tuesday, which will have the majority of the FA Cup replays couple of really fun ones in there but the two between tuesday and wednesday that have been selected for tv arguably might be some of the most fascinating ones that you will see first up the tuesday matchup uh 2 30 p.m in east coast in america time and that's a 7 30 kickoff in england will be horsham versus barnsley now barnsley of course league one efl third tier they're currently ranking sixth in the division at the moment, and they're coming off of getting shellacked by Darby at the moment. Actually, only of their last five matches, one win, one loss, and three draws, so not great form right now for Barnsley, but they're going to be playing a team called Horsham, and if you have no clue where Horsham is, well, that is all the way down in West Sussex as they play at a very interesting stadium uh by the way it's kind of a, almost an Amer- it's like a twist of an old school english facility and an american style stadium the camping world community stadium um yes very american sounding sponsor but uh actually had a chance to watch their most recent match in full against uh my beloved hashtag united in the ishmian league premier division so that's the seventh tier of the English pyramid. So basically this is going to be tier seven versus tier three, one, one draw the last time these two clubs played. No, excuse me. I take that one back. Uh, it was a three, three draw the last time that these two clubs played. the one, one will be the one in the other minute uh, where Horsham pulled one back late on to force the replay. Now Horsham, this is something that you're seeing more in the English non-league system. They're not playing on bad facilities with big players that just lump the ball from back to front. Horsham have a couple of really nice players on their team, uh, two of those being a, a really talented striker uh, that they have up top who's just banging goals and, in fact, is coming off of um, – well, actually, this is a midfielder first coming off of a hat trick against Chichester City um, in the Sussex County Cup called Charlie Hester Cook, who will absolutely run the show in the midfield. And then a guy that's been in double figures for a long time already this season, uh, Daniel Akachaye, uh, who should be in and amongst it. So keep an eye on that. That club just had over 1,500 in their match on Saturday. And you think about it, this club would be very close to Crawley Town um, and a stone's throw away from Brighton. And for those that are a little bit more of the niche following uh, right down the road from Dorking Wanderers, which is the team that they just beat to get into the first round. And they set their club record for that stadium uh, attendance, which was just shy of 2000. Now we go to the other match that's going to be selected for television, which, again, if you get selected for TV in the FA Cup, that means a lot of money. 
because not only do you have to cover, obviously use the club, all the expenses that go into hosting the BBC or ITV, but you also get paid because you get to be on television. So it's Charlton athletic. Yes. The team that were in the premier league a few years ago, who are also currently in league one running 11th, who just in their last match went two two against uh, the team. That's likely to go up this season, Portsmouth, which sidebar, Man, they need to get out of that league because that can is I a give, big club. Can I give a quick Charlton Athletic fact? Did you know At that least. they were the, they were the first club to put in a bid for Clint Dempsey before Fulham signed him? You are right. Yes, you are. Then at the a... time, Charlton was in the Premier League at the at the time. They were they were the first club to put in a in a bid for him. Well done, sir. I love that trivia. Um, obviously you as a Fulham fan, you'd be well aware of that, but, um, still, yeah. So then they're going to be taking on a team that is called Cray Valley paper mills. That is the actual name of the club. There's no FC it's Cray Valley paper mills in the eighth tier, the Isthmian league Southeast division and another team that you never know. It's a chance. It's a little bit more hopeful. This is now five tiers. We're talking close to what, 80, 90 places between the two teams, but they're coming off of a 3-0 victory against Aerith and Belvedere, and they'll be looking to utilize home crowd advantage against Charlton. Have not seen what the field is that they play on. Um, the Arctic Stadium is what it's called, but um, <laughs> perhaps maybe they'll try and freeze out Freezing. Charlton Athletic. There you go. There you go. You cannot... You cannot get a non-league scouting report anywhere else except here on Box to Box Football like that. That was incredible, uh, JJ. I just I am I marvel at your knowledge of non-league football. Just incredible. Um, what a way to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us on on Box to Box Football. Um, have a have a great international break, everybody, and uh, come join us next time. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little international soccer. Uh, soccer. I said soccer. Um, thanks for joining us. Box to box football.